The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. If you said to me, what was the main ingredient? I'd say they all want to be number one. That I think that's what sets, mm. they just, they're desperate to be number one. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Network. I'm Coach Just. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Ben and our very special guest, David Coles. David Coles, the England Under-18 goalkeeping coach, um, years of experience, um, which we're going to look at shortly. Um, Dave, do you want to just start us by letting us know where you're from, how you started your journey, obviously being an ex-player, just talk us through how you got into coaching. Um, well, it started really when I was when I was actually playing. Um, back in my day, which is like uh, sort of late seventies, early eighties, we didn't have goalkeeping coaches, or there was a few around. Um, so I was at Aldershot uh, Football Club at the time. It's Aldershot Town now. So basically, I took my own sessions in preparation for joining the team. So that was how I really got started. And then, as I progressed through later years, um, I. Uh, had my own goalkeeping school, which was called In Safe Hands with another goalkeeper called Keith Granger. So we had that for about five years. But in between, I was working for various companies, um, Mervyn Day Goalkeeping Schools, Simon Smith Goalkeeping Schools. Uh. And but basically, that's, that's how I got into coaching. That was my coaching journey. And then, obviously, um, I've had the, quite a bit of a different background. I, I, I played part-time football after professional and went into a school which was kids with EBD, so emotional behavior disorders. Uh-huh. Um, so like a, a residential social worker. So I worked nine years at the school and done my coaching badges through, through the school. So with the FA, obviously. Um, but that was, that, was, that was the beginning of my sort of obsession with, with coaching. And um, I got offered a job at um, Southampton Academy uh, through John Sainty at the time. Uh, went there on a part-time basis, coaching the nines to sixteens, which was fantastic. Two evenings a week, and then basically got offered the the full-time job um, uh, with the with the senior pros um, for eight years at Southampton. So I, I worked from top to bottom, really. So from nines right the way through to the senior pros. So I was yeah. I was out most days every week. Um, and then went into sort of Portsmouth and various other clubs, and as you can see, I've I've ended up at the FA. So it's it's been it's been a long journey, but it's it's been um, an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I've read some of the questions you've asked. You know, I spent time abroad um, coaching 
in various countries. I've done some coach education abroad, so yeah. it's it, it's been a great journey. It's, just, it's, so just touching back on the start of your journey, you know, you said that you didn't really have goalkeeping coaches at the time. So how did you decide or, you know, what gave you inspiration around what kind of maybe practices to kind of build for yourself? And was it just yourself or were you working alongside the maybe keepers of the group that you kind of put a session together for all of you? Uh, in them days, we did. We had we had probably about two, three goalkeepers. So there was probably yeah. me, the senior one, a number two, and then a youth team goalkeeper. So mm. um, we sort of elaborated on what we wanted to do throughout the morning and just cracked on with it. I mean, listen, I did have a goalkeeping coach. I mean, uh, um, when I was at Birmingham, I had Alan Hodgkinson, the late Alan Hodgkinson. Um, and then I had ja uh, Jim Montgomery for a time, but not for long. And then it was just sort of, that was it really. And uh, then I was left yeah. to my own devices. Uh, I went in at Southampton when Laurie McMenemy was um, in charge there as manager. Um, with Peter Shilton, he used to train, uh, get one day in with Peter Shilton, but Peter Shilton didn't have a goalkeeping coach. He actually instructed what he wanted, and uh, Lou Chatterley, who was assistant manager, took the sessions. So, um, and again, I worked with with goalkeepers like um, uh, Tim Flowers and Phil Kite, who were who were there at mm. the time. So, yeah, but there was there was no there was no sort of I wouldn't say there was a structure to what I did. I just knew what I needed. I know that sounds really weird, but even at 18, I was 18 when I started playing for Always Shop, and I, I just knew what I needed, so it, it wasn't difficult to come up with with session plans or, or, or what I thought I needed uh, to get through the game. So, Just just, just on that then, now, you know, as a player, you know, having that self-awareness to maybe assess what it is that you feel you need, what would... How would you, how would you advise that maybe a young goalkeeper probably potentially listening to this or your coaches uh, that are listening to this maybe go about supporting their goalkeepers and understanding how to assess what they might need? I think you've got to look at the individual. I think all goal, all goalkeepers are different, uh, and as we go through this podcast, you'll realise that I'm I'm uh, I'm for the goalkeeper. Um, I I look at the goalkeeper first as an individual. I look at his strengths and weaknesses and what and what I can. I can improve and what, what strengths he brings to the club or what strengths he's got in general in terms of his makeup. So, uh, technical, ta tactical, physical, psychological, social. Um, so, work from the four cornerstones. Um, so, uh, that, that, that's the way that I would work with, with, with goalkeepers. But I think, I think um, at an early age, I think you're aware of what you need. Um, but it's making, it's, it's make, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's making sure that your strengths outweigh your weaknesses. That's, that's the way that I've always looked at yeah. it. Yeah. I, when I played, I was, I was absolutely rubbish at, at distribution. I couldn't kick a ball. And, and la later on in life, I spent so much time working on it, I probably neglected it a little bit when I played um, because it, it wasn't that era. It was more about shot stopping and dealing with crosses and being brave yeah. and 1v1s. So, yeah. um, so that's what I worked on. Um, to improve and my, my, my strengths were those um, and dis distribution later on in life came in obviously the rule changes I've, I've been through as a player and obviously as a coach have come in now and, and now it's more of a holistic um, approach to everything that you do in terms of developing grassroots levels right the way through to senior pros definitely mm. 
That's it. Just, uh, just touching back on something else you mentioned. Obviously, when you started doing your coaching uh, badges, did they actually have goalkeeping qualifications at the time, or how did that work? Um, there wasn't a goalkeeping license. It was just like it was basically yeah. called the A license. I mean, later on in life, I mean, I did my licenses back in. I would say, I started my licenses in ninety ninety five, ninety six, and yeah. then obviously ninety seven. Um, goalkeeping license came in and, and bits and pieces so uh, that's that's where, uh, that's where I've done my licenses um, back in the sort of mid yeah. mid 90s really um but there was goalkeeping coaches around but there was no set program i mean people like martin thomas eric, yeah. eric Steele, tony parks um, right, Ray Clements have all developed these uh, with with help from people like obviously Alan Hodgkinson, who was who was probably one of the first goalkeeping coaches I ever remember. So yeah, hmm. it's interesting. Because I actually, you know, you know, having gone through the level two and a goalkeeping B license myself, I think it's definitely you know, and I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a specific goalkeeping coach, um, but I think it's definitely something that you know. I would definitely encourage other coaches to maybe go in and look into because there's so much to took away from that course. And, you know, it's funny, you obviously mentioned there, Keith Granger, who was one of my tutors, actually. Okay. Um, that goalkeeping field hasn't probably the most enjoyable course I've ever done. Really? Um, I mean, I must admit, the, the courses at the FA are fun. I mean, I did mine, I mean, you've probably done yours at St. George's Park. I mean, I did yeah. mine back at Lillyshaw back in the day. And I did mine with people like... Um, Tim Flowers and Ian Andrews and yeah. oh, various people and uh, and it was good fun. Dave Watson, who's at Southampton now, so yeah, they are enjoyable. But I think uh, I'm not being funny when you look at the goal goalkeepers, the characteristic side of it. I mean, let's be honest, we we are a bit crazy. And, <laughs> and the other thing as well is we we try and laugh at things yeah. in the face of adversity sometimes, and I think that's a good thing. I think you have to, don't you? you just, yeah. You, Keep it light hearted, otherwise you'd just be too stressed all the time. Yeah, well, the, the idea is yeah. is not to be stressed, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's to be the calming influence behind the back, the back four or, or or the team. So, I think I think having that sort of mentality where you you you're calm but you're crazy is is quite effective. Can be quite effective, mm. especially on outfield players. Anyway, um, you have your you have you have your background in social work and uh, like with boys that have. Uh, EBD. Yeah. Um, I know that's the extreme of it, but what would you say is like the sort of transferable skills that you've passed on uh, into your coaching career now? What a great question that is, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know what I spent? I, I spent. Um, I mean, I, I work with kids at, at the school that have been physically, obviously, abused and um, that come from bro- broken backgrounds, and we took kids from out of counties. So it was interesting yeah. work. I mean. Um, I I think most of it was would be dealing with um, the psychological side. Uh, most of the kids that had come from that sort of backgrounds and and areas had um, they had quite a lot of psychological damage, if that makes sense. Mm. But I think the transferable skills were, were how, how to deal with with kids um, in terms of uh, moving them on from from their background, giving them a different outlook on life, um, giving mm. them fresh ideas I mean sport was there I mean I worked at a school where they didn't have a school football team so I introduced a school football team we we had a good PE department with a guy called Malcolm Frame who I worked with um, he was rugby orientated uh, listen I did everything from we, we, we learned how to do gymnastics we bought trampolines we did trampolining we did we bought table tennis it was just everything for sport mm. to get these kids um, away from 
the lives that they knew. And one of them went on to, to be a footballer. Um, we had a goalkeeper. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the goalkeepers, uh, sorry, one of the kids there, a lad called Mark Medford. Um, I always remember his name. He's a good goalkeeper. He went on to mm. play. He went on to Hereford. He, he ended up doing an apprenticeship with Hereford. So, you know, I think that's a testament to what to what these kids could really, really do if uh, they put their minds to it. And mm. I think sports are release. I really do. Oh, okay. There was something um, that you just said that like, um, kind of judged my mind in terms of like the whole sort of multi-sport approach that you had uh, with the kids. Like, in terms of goalkeepers and the athleticism that they need, like, would you recommend that young for like young goalkeepers uh, to like you know still explore other sports? Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Um, I mm. think I think there's so many transferable skills nowadays. Um, obviously. Uh, I, I use some of the stuff still, even with 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 the senior goalkeepers. So I, sometimes I bring out odd balls like tennis balls, weighted balls, mm. uh, med balls. Um, I've used table tennis balls before. Uh, I've done um, some stuff with um, uh, some tra- small trampettes. Um, so I think there's, there's the multi sport is 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 really really good. I think when you look at a, a tennis player. I think there's transferable skills there, back, backwards, lateral movement, forwards. Hmm. Uh, have a look at his stance, how he's standard at the end with the racket in his hands. It's, it's virtually um, a, a stance for a goalkeeping position. So hmm. I think I think that sort of approach I've used throughout my entire career, really, in terms of, of coaching kids, coaching senior pros. Um, and, and do you know what? You can make it fun. You can make it enjoyable because if you're doing the mundane stuff all the time, I think kids lose interest. I think the core skills are important, but I think the core skills for me are 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 there to develop. So um, it might to add on, yeah, yeah, the add on effect I think is so if they get if they get consistently good at something, it's like repetitive practice makes them consistently good at something. Then I think you should add on something else to 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 sort of test the mind and test mm. test the body really. Mm. Just on there, you've, you know, you've touched a bit about your, you know, really regarding your coaching philosophy. Would you mind just going in a bit of detail what your what your philosophy actually is? Then? So, I work from the four cornerstones, like most goalkeeping coaches. I'm not changed: um, physical, social, um, psychological, tech, tech. Um, based on solid foundation of core skills at all levels. I think I think those are the things that I. It, I even coach and teach today. I think they're really, really important, especially at, at grass uh, roots level. I think the core, the core skills will. I mean, everyone reverts back to those. So if if you make a mistake, you actually go back to the start and build up again. Um, uh-huh. But yeah. I think there's there's variation to core skills and and, and challenges, uh, no matter what uh, and what age group to develop at, sort of every age. Um, Training way, uh, wise, I look at three stages in, in my session. So when I'm starting, it's, it's the warm up stage, it's the technical stage, and it's the tactical stage at the end. So I'm, I, I virtually look at what um, I need to coach throughout the week. So if it's a Pacific, we're playing a Pacific team on a Saturday or internationally, then I look at um, a warm up that's going to relate to the, the technical stage and the, the technis, technical stage that's going to get to the tactical stage. Um, I think goalkeepers are judged by their mistakes. Um, um, so I think that is obviously important um, for, for my philosophy um, and how I deal with that psychologically, emotionally um, with a goalkeeper. But I think 
um, I would I would look at my philosophy and, and think that I'm I'm quite holistic in my approach. Uh, I, I I try and produce what I'm after producing is like you mentioned earlier on, athletic goalkeepers that um, have got a, a good skill set that's across the ball, so they're able to deal with the back pass. They're able to make make saves, big saves at right times. Um, they're decent at coming for crosses and dealing with crosses. They can deal with the area. They can deal with the space, deal with the through balls. So that's what I, I tend to do. Uh, um, yeah. I also tap into the goalkeeper. I think um, I think when you when you get the goalkeeper or you get the, the goalkeeping group, you, you must look at diagnosing their strengths and weaknesses uh, with goalkeeper, but also give them ownership because they need yeah. ownership to grow. Um, so sometimes you might give them a little bit of homework. You know, it might be something really simple. Like at Southampton, I would say to certain goalkeepers, right, you've got a little bit of homework to do this week. I want you to learn how to catch the ball this way or or try it this way and develop it around your skill set. Mm. And just, just on that, you know, the, one thing that kind of comes to mind as you're talking is just think about as a goalkeeper coach, how, how challenging is it at times to then work on that tactical side because for me I, I believe you know, a large part of working on that tactical side you need to be obviously working with a group of players as well and from my experience there's been a lot of coaches who are maybe not willing to I guess work with the goalkeeper in that respect or goalkeeping coaches in that respect and are caught in a, I guess in, in, a, in a way where they're cooperating and it's more just the you do your thing over there in the corner and we'll do our thing we'll come together at the end of the session sort of thing yeah I, I, I can understand where you're coming from there I mean that's but I've been in the environments really at, at senior level where that doesn't happen. They can't wait to take the goalkeepers off your hands. In fact, I've had to, yeah. I've actually had to fight the coaches off really to, <laughs> to get what I need. I mean, I tend to go down early anyway. So, but working with with coaches, they'll have a plan of what they want. I mean, the correlation between you and them um, throughout the session it, it all depends on what you're coaching. So. Um, example would be so in the morning at any level you'd have a meeting you'd discuss what you were going to do they'd ask the goalkeeping coach what you're going to do and then I would I would tend to correlate it to, to what the manager needs he's, he's, he's worked with yeah. skill set defending in, in a in a a four-three-three, or defend, defending in a three-five-two, or whatever. Um, so I, I try and look at that very, really quickly, um, so that I can put together my plan around what the goalkeeper needs and what the manager needs from me, really. Um, but I, I, I've always found that they can't wait to take them off, it's off you, really. Um, sometimes it's, it's for, for good reasons, and sometimes it's for for bad reasons, in in my mind, it, they're used as like cannon fodder for just shooting and crossing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, not that you don't need it because you do, but I, th- I, I think there's got to be yeah. a healthy balance between tactical and technical. But I think working yeah. throughout the week, I think it's important that the goalkeeper gets used to the back four, especially if you've got important games coming up. And I think that the use of that time can be valuable in terms of communication, supporting distances, supporting angles. So I think that is, is really useful. Um, Definitely. I wanted to get your opinion just for something because um, you also just kind of jogged my memory there uh, with this hire. When I was on my A, Eric still done a goalkeeping part on it and he was talking about the fact that, um, you know, more 
he feels he believes that more goalkeeping coaches should be taking the actual build building up the from the back yep. phase because of obviously a keeper's for me, I think as well that keeper's probably one of the most integral um players in that phase because they're they're that extra player that you can use and ben, ben, you know, ba- based on whatever skill set they ben, have, I re- I re- they can obviously <laughs> exploit that. I think David would argue is the best ben, I, I, I really love <laughs> you for saying that. You've actually, you've actually... No, no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an open novice. I'm an open novice. That's why I call myself the goalkeeper. No, I, I think, I think, you, I think uh, Eric's right. I think sometimes. I mean, I've been, I've been allowed to do that at um, certainly at Southampton under certain managers. I was, I was, I was asked to do that. Uh, the build phase at uh, England, we work a bit different. Um, my, my manager or my head coach is Ian Foster. So Ian Foster will work with that with the. Um, with the the build phase and I will work with the goalkeeper and sort of the back four in terms of stepping in when I need to and talking he allows me mm. to do that and he allow, and I allow him to, to deal with the goalkeeper because I think it, it, it's a two way thing it, you're you're only working for one thing right mm-hmm. you're, you're working for the for the goodness of the players and the team really because let's be honest we all want to win and we all want we all want success so I think that's that's it. that's important to let him have his say on the goalkeeper I mean England is 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 certainly really really organised that we have lots and lots of meetings on on the build phase. I mean they work in six zones, so you've got the build phase, you've got the create phase, and you've got the finishing phase, and then that's in possession and out possession. It's it's obviously high block, mid block, and low block. So um, we certainly go through that sort of system on a regular basis when we go away on camps, and that is sort of the integral part of of our of our work against opposition that we're yeah. going to play. Definitely. And just on that, then, you know, you talk about national camps there. You know, you're in a full-time role as young as an under-18 coach. So when there's no national camps taking place, what does that role actually look like? Um, what, what, when I'm on camps or... Uh, away from camps. Away so from camp. when I'm away from camps, usually um, it can be anything, really. I mean, uh, I report to SGP when, when I'm needed to. So for uh, in-house training, so we'll have different... Um, meetings, uh, game. I, I I go out scouting a lot, so that's not only for the under 18s. I could be watching an under 16 or under 15. I've been down to Queens Park Rangers Academy and watched an under 14 tournament. Um, I have club visits to do. So um, Tim Bitmer's the the head of the goalkeeping. He will ask me to go and look at certain goalkeepers in training. Um, so that could be anyone, really. And then there's the senior side where Gareth um, asks us to go out and document uh, who's doing well for the seniors. So I could be watching Tom Heaton. I could be watching Nick Pope. I could be watching Alex McCarthy down at Southampton. Um, so that's some of the stuff that I do. Um, obviously, reporting on games. So not only my age age group, but the seniors too. Um there's individual projects, um, but there's also uh, obviously with lockdown. There's been uh, indiv- individual projects, and there's also been team projects on on certain areas. Yeah. So we'll have certain things that Gareth sort of instructed us to 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 look at and go through. Um, there's planning for international camps because you get so much time away um, from not training. You end up doing a lot of planning before, so. If it makes sense, you you end up getting everything in place before you sort of fly out or or travel. So and that and I mean it absolutely everything. So training plans, uh, reviewing 
IDPs, international development plans have got to be uh, prepared. Um, so that type of stuff is is what I would do throughout the day. Um, I do get time for some coaching. I've been lucky um, lucky enough to go into um, to certain clubs. I mean, Portsmouth, my old club, um, John Keeley is the, the head goalkeeping coach there. He's allowed me to go in and, and work with their 16s to 18s. So it's not as if I'm not keeping my hand in because I think, for me, that's really, yeah. really important, the coaching. Um, and then there's obviously, we have um, goalkeeping camps. We have probably about three to four of those a year. So Tim and, and Danny Alcock will arrange those. And I'll um, obviously be involved with that. And then this year, there's been a couple of engagement days, which have been really good. We have one at um, Arsenal's training ground where we invite the head coaches, academy goalkeeping coaches. Um, and okay. then we did some we did some stuff with those with those coaches, and then we went up to Manchester United's training ground and um, did the same there. So it was all good. Is that in a form? Yeah, of CPD, sort of. It? Uh, it's also to um, uh, sort of just get to know people more than anything. I said, I think there's a lot of okay. healthy conversation goes on in terms of uh, just informal meetings. So. I think um, these these were very very good. So we put on some sessions. We asked them some open ended questions. Um, uh, Tim put on um, a little bit about what his philosophy was uh, for the England goalkeepers and what they do when they come away with us. So sure. So just to touch on the obviously, you know, you talked about a lot about the plan in there. So how exactly do you decide what what should go into a training program for obviously an international goalkeeper and that you've got such limited time with them on the camps? Leading up to potential tournament well, games, as to someone who you might be working with on a yeah. basis. Yeah, so um, planning goes on. I mean, I've I, I just hit upon that a little bit, really. Um, in terms of we 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 do it months in advance, so um, we'll know who we're playing. So, like uh, last camp was sort of Poland, um, Slovakia, and Austria. So I, I know I, I would go through all the their clips in, uh, in terms of analytical stuff and look at set plays and how they score their goals and their finishing phases. So I'll, I'll put sessions together out of that. Um, but that's not also what goes on as well. There's a, there's a lot in the background. It's, it's like on and off the field. I mean, when we go away, we, t- we, go, we have cultural visits. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll go on certain visits to to certain places um, to educate the kids uh, that way as well. Um, so that that's that's an integral part of of what they they tend to set up when we go away on camps. But um, the strengths and weaknesses of opposition I look at. So you know, as I said, how they score, where they finish from, um, what what their set plays are like, and then I'll put my session plans together from that um, but also in and out of possession so in possession would be from what the coach wants how we're going to play um, so we we play certain systems um, that um, goalkeepers have to be like going back to what your, your question was not so long ago about the, the tactical side yeah. so did they need to get involved with that um, certainly definitely now you know, obviously, talking a bit about your experience, both you with England, obviously you had past experience with Southampton, West Ham, and uh, you're currently giving, uh, back in at Portsmouth. You also spent some time out in the, in, in the Arab Emirates. Yeah. What was that like? And, you know, talk us through a bit about what the environment was like and how 
things different? Was there any limitations you had that maybe completely completely revolutionised what you were doing um, in some respect? The UAE was really, really interesting for me. I was I was offered the job to go to a club called Al Jazeera. Um, it certainly um, taught me a lot about the culture out there in terms of Islam, uh, Muslim uh, way of life. Um, training was totally different. We didn't train in the daytime because the heat is so intense. Um, so we used to train later of the, in the evening, probably around six, seven o'clock. So I had to adjust to that way of life. Obviously, prayer times I, I had to adjust to throughout training, believe it or not, because obviously they have times where they need to pray. So um, the head goalkeeping coach, I say the head goalkeeping coach, the head goalkeeper was there, was a lad called Ali Kasif, who was national goalkeeper. So I think he still is, to be fair. Him and... How did, that, how did that come about then? Oh. You, you <laughs> Cut a long story short without being too rare. Um, no, no. How did it come about? Well, what happened is I got released from uh, West Ham. So um, obviously managing yeah. changes. Um, but the, it, mm. it came at quite a time where it, it, the season was virtually starting. So it's two weeks before the season started. So I was unemployed. Right. I couldn't get a job. Um, so um, what happened is my my CV was sent around um, various places right, okay. and um, I could have gone to Bahrain, I could have gone to Saudi Arabia, so these types of clubs were quite interested in someone like myself really uh, with, with that experience yeah. and I uh, chose Al Jazeera went out there and um, I had two and a half years out there so. so what would you say is Probably the biggest thing that you learned while you were at it, because I can imagine it's such a, it must be a massive culture shock. Do you know what? It was a massive culture shock um, because I, I went out there in Ramadan and there was nothing open. You couldn't go out to eat or anything. You had to stay inside. Um, so it was it was it was an interesting time. Um, the goalkeepers were were really helpful. I had I had uh, three goalkeepers in terms of um, senior goalkeepers, and I had two young lads that came in and worked with us as well from the youth team, so like under 23s, under 18s. So I had Ali Kasif, as I said, um, Khalid Issa, who's at, um, he's, he's playing for a team called Elaine now, and Khalid okay. Sunani, who's out at a place called Al Dafra. Um, so they were really helpful. They spoke good English, and um, so they advised me, obviously, what I could do, what I couldn't do in terms of their faith, which which was good, but it it, it was an eye opener in terms of the heat. Without a doubt, I've, I've never worked in such. I mean, even <laughs> of an evening, it was like forty five degrees. It was it was amazing how much weight I'd lost in the first week. So that was a good. Would you go back? I've been offered to go. I was <laughs> I was offered to go back a few <laughs> times. Would I go back? Yeah, probably I would. Um, it's. Um, the goalkeepers there are protected, so um, you're allowed two foreign players to come in, but those foreign players cannot be goalkeepers, which is, yeah, okay. it's, Interesting. It's, it's a good mm. philosophy, I think, because what it does is that increases their, their goalkeeping um, spectrum and how they develop. So um, I, think, I think that's a good, that's a, that's a good way forward. Um, obviously, uh, with the academy goalkeepers, it's, it's the same same scenario. They're all um, from the Arab Emirate, uh, Emirates. So, yeah. Just just curious, 
did you did you learn any any Arabic? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a few words, not not an awful lot. Uh, the first thing that the first thing they did okay. teach me is how to swear in Arabic, which were, <laughs> which was always okay. interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, salam alaikum and yeah, basic words of politeness and how are you and so yeah yeah it, it's um, bits and pieces. I wouldn't say I was proficient in Arabic like. <laughs> Sure, sure. You could, you could hold a conversation. Uh, right? No. <laughs> Just stick to this. I'm being honest. Yes, sir. I'm being honest. The answer, the answer is no. They speak so quick. It is... Um, yeah. uh, some days I yeah. used to say to when they used to uh, talk about slow down. Slow down. Please slow down. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It, but um, the guys I work with are really, really good. Um they were great yeah. to work with. Um, they, you know, talk about characters. They were really, all three of them were really, really good characters. They were good to be around. And the two young kids, um, uh, Khalifa and Al Shabibi, were, were brilliant too. So, I mean, uh, both of those got international caps at 18. Um, Ali Kasif yeah. was, was national goalkeeper, but Khalid Issa took over from him. Um, so, yeah, good times. Good times, learned a lot in terms of culture, um, but also learned a lot of how to deal with with a, new, a different breed of goalkeeper, really, because you know it's yeah. they're not um, they're not a great nation of goalkeepers in terms of you, there's not one yeah. one goalkeeper. If I said to you, name me a UAE goalkeeper, you would definitely right, definitely right. So. Cool. Sorry. Um, what would you say the major okay, characteristics differences or characteristical differences are between maybe the goalkeepers from out there and maybe the ones you're dealing with at the moment or you've been used to dealing with in I think English when world. I went out there I tried to um, I tried to coach the same way as, as what I did okay. with, with the English goalkeepers and I think they prefer that yes. I think they they're, they're so interested in football. I mean, they watch so much football out there. It's on, it's on like on a regular basis. You can get it twenty four seven. So that that yeah. was the best thing because when I had a lot of downtime and uh, there was throughout the days, I could watch football and it was it was quite freely um, open to watch on TV. Um, no, I just worked the same way. I I, I implemented my ways. I, we, we one morning I I said to him, listen. Um, we're not training till later because of Ramadan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's get you up. Let's do something in the gym. Um, I took them boxing. We went swimming. I've got some swimming programs that I use with a bit of fun and uh, athletically, you know, it's, it's good for the goalkeepers. Um, we had we did some yoga out there. We did some stretch programs. Um, so I worked the same way, uh, even, even, even right up until um, – my 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 last club was Bristol City. Obviously, I, I would do boxing um, programs because I think at the end, my cold nation. We I play tennis with with certain goalkeepers because I, I think it's it's just different. And I, but the characteristics are always going to be the same. No matter. I don't think wherever you go, I think all goalkeepers want to develop and learn as individuals. Uh, you just touched a little bit earlier as well. In terms of the type of work that you like to do with the goalkeeper, how much time do you think goalkeeper 
Chilton spending with the rest of the squad. Though. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think there's a time and a place. I think there's there's a time and a place where they've got to balance out the technical and tactical side of it. Um, and I think, um, especially like things like set plays and uh, defending strategies and. Um, attacking strategies. I think that they they need to be involved with with players throughout the day. Um, it's just getting, the, as I said earlier, it's just getting the balance right um, because they do need the technical stuff. They do. The, some goalkeepers actually thrive on the the core skills. So because they want to, you know, they, that's what they go back to. Um, if something goes wrong, if they make a mistake, they go back to basics to re- redevelop or re-educate, whatever you want to, you know. So. Uh. And just in terms of, have there been any particular coaches or managers that you've worked with really taken to the idea of you being involved in that way, uh, really integrating, working with the back line potentially and stuff? But obviously, I know you've touched on it a bit about how you might be doing it now with yeah. the human group. Um, um, yeah, there, there is. I mean, um, I've worked with some, some really... Good, uh, good managers. I mean, I worked with Harry Redknapp, who would who would always ask me to go and and join the the back four and and speak to the back four and make sure that, that uh, David James was the goalkeeper at the time um, that they were communicating. So I would go and I, I would go and work on that build phase. Um, Tony Adams took over from Harry, so he was he was all for that. He wanted to get me involved in terms of doing set plays and and building from the back. Uh, Glenn Hoddle, uh, another one as well, who liked that. So, I, I think I think it's important to do it without a doubt. I don't think I think that's why that's why I got both li- I mean, I, I got both licenses. I, t- I went and took the outfield A to get to get my goalkeeping A because that's what uh, we were told to do at the time, so yeah. that we had that knowledge. So, yeah. um, so I think yeah. I, listen, uh, managers are. Uh, are all for, I, I think certain managers are all for that. Mm. So, just in terms of who would you say has been the most influential manager you've worked with, um, both as a player and a coach? And why, why wow. would you say that is? Questions are getting deep now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I've worked with some real, real top top managers in my in my mind. I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with with Harry because he took uh, from Southampton. He took me to Portsmouth. Um, we had success at Portsmouth. So I've got a lot, a lot of respect for Harry Redknapp. Um, different, he was more, he was more of a hands-on manager, and he was very effective. And then I've got, uh, I've worked with obviously Glenn Hoddle, and and Gordon Strachan was tremendous. Uh, absolutely, just knew everything that was going on around the training ground. He was a, a, such a intelligent guy. So I would say that they've had. Harry and uh, Gordon have had massive influences on me um, as as a, as a goalkeeping coach, um, and also what they want from their goalkeepers, um, which is important as well of how they're going to play. So I think they've been really, really important for me as 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 I as I've sort of developed my philosophy. Uh. And I just want to touch on something because, uh, like I said, this podcast is obviously going to be listened to by uh, coaches of various levels. And just for um, coaches in the grassroots or youth background, how would you uh, recommend for them to kind of encourage uh, like young players to actually be open to playing goalkeeper? Because <laughs> a lot of them at that young age obviously want to be the scorer or they're scared of the ball coming at them at that high speed like what sort of methods do you think they can 
use um, to kind of like not like shoehorn players just into outfield positions that may potentially have um, you know ability in goal. Um, I, I I think I mean we had um, a lad at South. I'm going back. I'm using the example really. We had a lad at, at Southampton called Harry Eisted who was hmm. a centre half and um, he was playing for the under 12s one day and I was uh, on a Sunday watching the academy and the academy goalkeeper went down we didn't have another under 12s and uh, and all the other goalkeepers we didn't have actually one big enough to go in that that sort of under 12 like, so the 9s 10s and 11s weren't quite there yet um, hmm. so the goalkeeper come off at half time and Harry Harry put his hand up and he went to me Colsey I'll go and go and I went Okay, fair enough. <laughs> in you go. Like he's quite a tall lad. He went in and played, and he was absolutely magnificent. He was great with his feet because he was a centre half, so he was passing through yeah. and around and onto and all the areas that you want him to hit. Um, but he was he was brave. He came and took crosses, and I remember sitting down with the academy uh, with the academy uh, manager at the time, which was Hugh Jennings, and saying to him. He's going to be a goalkeeper. He ain't going to be a centre half. And <laughs> to be fair, he actually agreed with me. And we had the conversation with his parents. Um, we wanted to get him in on the Tuesday. It was Tuesday and Thursday night. The goalkeepers trained, so like they did their technical skills. Mm. Um, so he came in, and I said to his dad, "Listen, I'm going to have to change him. He's, he's going to have to play in goal because he's not going to he's not going to be a centre half. He's now at Luton. To be fair, he's yeah. Oh, so uh, so okay. I, I, I tend to I think. Sometimes you've got a goalkeeper out outfield. I mean, you look at Edison, the skills that he's got as, as an outfield player, but he plays in goal. Um, yeah. So I I think really, I think it's at grassroots level, I think it's trial and error. I think if they want to go and go, mm. let them go and go. If they want to go up front, let them go up front. <laughs> because yeah. it, 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 sometimes you just find that, that one, you know, that one, you're talking about one nugget. I'm talking about that one gem. I mean, the kid. The kid, yeah. the kid went on to play for uh, play in Southampton. He's been to various clubs, and he's now at Luton. I think he's number two or number three now, but he's still there. He's still playing. So, proof's in the pudding. Really, you don't know what you've got at grassroots level unless you experiment with these kids. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and do you know what? Uh, let's be honest. Football, football is fun, and it? we, we've as coaches, we have to make it fun. It only becomes serious fun when they start earning a living at it. Uh, that's so, true. so that's I think true. I think you know, let them enjoy it. It's the game's there to be enjoyed. It's 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 not all about the land of milk and honey. You know, it's it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it, it's there because it's it's a sport. We, I mean, when we were kids growing, when I was a kid growing up, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted I wanted to get home from school, go and play out in the front garden, play in the back garden, go to the field with my mates, play football on a Sunday afternoon, play football. It was like it was like constant football, 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 and I think I think we've got to get back to that really. Mm. Yeah, I do feel times times have changed a lot, haven't they? In that, it's not easy to just go out there, and it's not accessible as it was once. But you know, certainly when I yeah. was maybe younger, and you need you need to go to yeah, the no. to play. You need to you can't go no. the streets, and I think that that's obviously created a massive um, barrier in that. Sorry, Ben, did you have a question that you were about to ask? No, you can, you're kind of already um, touching on it there. Like, I was going to say about the, um, you know, like, yeah, like the times has changed kind of thing. And there is uh, now like a lack of 
opportunities for for kids to just have like unsolicited fun, like without no sort of adults there to govern it. So yeah. like, um, do do you feel like it's quite important, even at like on a, uh, like a professional level, to have that element of uh, you know sort of you've already kind of touched on it because you do like the whole sort of multi sport yeah. approach. Yeah, with, I do. Um, your keepers uh, to have that sort of element where they they're having different different experiences than just the um, just the technical or tactical side of the yeah. game. I, I, listen, I I mean it's a good question, Ben. I I mean when I was growing up, we were allowed to do that. Um, I can understand the constraints yeah. now in terms of facilities and finding somewhere to train and play, but I would never. I mean, when I was in, at Southampton, I always remember kids coming up to me. Saying to me, Cozy, I, I can't come next week because I've got a table tennis tournament, or I'm doing this, or I'm playing basketball, or I'm playing volleyball, mm. or I'm doing something, or I'm playing for the school team, or I'm playing rugby. For I, I you, you, you just used to say, Yeah, go, go and learn another sport, go and do yeah. something else because I think it takes it's, it's such a career where it's becoming so refined in, in people making it, and I think. You've got to give them every opportunity to explore every every other avenue, if that makes sense. Um, because they yes. they might be really good. Um, I've Fair got enough. an example of that really good example. Max O'Leary, uh, goalkeeper I uh, inherited at Bristol City. Um, he had the option. He could have played football for Bristol City. He could have played county cricket uh, for Somerset. And he could have played rugby, I think, for Bristol or Bath. Um, they all wanted to take him and he chose football. But he had that skill set where he'd, he'd gone through his life and, and basically been very good at these three sports. So l- let him continue. And then he has to make the final say. It's, it's, it's down to the individual what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But going back to what you... Yeah, I, I suppose I, I come from an era where we, we, we were fine to just go and kick a ball wherever we wanted, um, which was great. But I would encourage kids to take ownership of of their their training as well so you know it's it's not all about just going like monday to friday and training with yourself yasser or, or me or you ben it's about doing that extra little bit more to to get to where you want to get if you if you you know yeah. if, you, if you've got that belief that you're going to be a, a top player or you're going to be a professional footballer then just do that little bit more i think that's i think that's sound advice i mean you just get home from school play football bang the ball up against the wall, all these things that they're doing in lockdown now that I've seen on, on, on YouTube is what I used to do anyway. So it's not reinventing the wheel, it's just what we did in that era. Um, but it, it's, it's it's just getting, and I can understand, I mean, it's just getting tougher really for, for kids to, to come all the way through and there's only so many clubs they can go to. So Definitely, I think they're just... On that, then, what would your advice be to grassroots coaches who really, because you know, from my experience, a lot of co- a lot of coaches in grassroots environments struggle to find goalkeepers, um, and they feel like when they've got that goalkeeper, they, they need to just put that goalkeeper and not really give them the chance to try anything different. How would you, you know, what would your advice be to those goalkeepers or those grassroots coaches who maybe need to offer that goalkeeper some additional support around, yeah, just playing in goal really and not not feeling like it's going to be where they got it's not feeling like they're boxed yeah. in that respect I think <clears throat> I know there are go- uh, there are goalkeeping schools around I, I mean 
for me, and I know I know you still have to go out and, and and pay for those facilities and pay for those privileges. But I think I think it's worth for me the grassroots um, coaches if they're an outfield coach. I think it's worth. I mean, you 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 said it just earlier on. You know, you you've been to certain courses. You've been to to various courses where you've developed different skill sets. And I think for, for outfield coaches, what's wrong with them going and, and just doing a qualification on, on goalkeeping? It is a specialist subject, but they can pick up various tips. They can learn different a different skill set to go along with their outfield stuff. Um, but obviously, they've got to use that throughout the evening and it, it may be difficult at grassroots level because they, might, they may be the only coach there of an evening. Um, Hmm. But yeah. I would, I mean, for me, I th- I, th- I think there's there's so many ways in terms of when you've got that one goalkeeper, there's nothing wrong with educating other kids not to go in goal, if that makes sense. I, th- I think, you know, going back yeah. to that, that Harry Eisted one, I think it was, it was, it was an eye-opener for me. I mean, I learned something that day. I thought, wow, there must be a few more in here that can play in goal. I mean, he was just so natural. So I would encourage... I would encourage grassroots coaches to, I don't know, if, if someone want, wants to go in goal, uh, try them. Why not? What, what's, what's wrong with that? I mean, let's be honest, the game's changed so much, the modern game, you know, they've got to be as good with their feet as they are with their hands. If you've got someone that's that's, that's really, really good with their hands and good with their feet, at grassroots level, you're actually, you're halfway there, really, I think. So... Uh. That that would be my advice. I don't know if that's advice or not. Yeah. Really, um, I just think yeah. I think for me, I would say to the grassroots level, just go and, go and do a, a a B license or a, or a C license um, on goalkeeping, or go and watch a goalkeeping school, go and see how it operates, pick up like different ideas. I mean, there's so many uh, social tools now, like YouTube, uh, Instagram, and Facebook, and all that. I mean, there's 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 so many. Um, goalkeeping coaches put their stuff out on there, and some of it's r- really, really good, and yeah. some of it's not so good. You know, take take what you need and um, develop it into into your your skill set of coaching. Hundred hmm. percent. Just on that though, what, what would you say your biggest bugbear when it comes to coaching? Because you know, there's people out there who've got some great work. So people out there, you think well, it's you know, really questionable, and you really, you really question yourself. And how did you even come up with something like that? That why would you even think of that? Your oh, how long you got? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it got even longer if you want to say it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be a certain achievement, wouldn't it? Um, I think time time is the biggest thing with me when I'm coaching. Um, when I when I first started, we we never we weren't allowed to clock watch. Um, we were told that that was not the thing to do to, you know, express yourself, but also think about who you're working with. So the clients, the players, the goalkeepers, and just, so I think time, because everyone wants some of the goalkeepers time. So go back to what you said in terms of coaches, they're desperate to get the goal. I mean, at a professional level, they're desperate to get the goalkeepers integrate with the team straight away. And I'm thinking, well, let me get through my work. Um, and then, and then you can have them. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's sports science now, so, um, they can't overtrain. They have set times to train to, uh, going back to my time, um, which I shouldn't do really because it's a different time, but uh, even it, we were just out there for hours and hours working away. So, um, it, it, it was, 
I mean, I'm going back to a, a sort of, you know, playing two games a day. I was at Birmingham City. I remember playing for the A team in the morning at 11 o'clock and then being told to be down the ground for three o'clock because I was playing the combination game. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's interesting times what has gone on in terms of all that. Um, there's also the social side, so players' appearances and all that come into it. So, you know, they have to be away at certain times. So that's that's a bugbear of mine because I think, you know, if you want to be a, a footballer or a goalkeeper, then, um, you know, spend as much time doing what you're good at and making it better. Um, yeah. My biggest bugbear is probably managers and coaches that haven't played in goal and they send, send to come out and criticise goalkeepers when they've never, they've never ever yeah. felt what it's like to make a mistake in front of, I don't know, I mean, some of the grounds that I've played at of, uh, and watched and coached at of 75,000 people in. You know, it's yeah. humiliating enough for that goalkeeper to feel that, but then the manager comes mm. out and then it gets diagnosed and pulled apart on Sky now. So I think that that's a, that's a real bugbear of mine, uh, you know, because let's be honest, we don't go out there to make mistakes. We go out there to perform to the best of our ability. Um, but mistakes come in. I always said this: mistakes come in various forms. They come in micro, where it's naked to the sort of the goalkeeping coaches eye. They come in mini, where it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more intense. So, in other words, it could be something that may have cost the goal, and then you've got. The the, the the maxi ones where they're they're bigger than the last and like it could be a, a bad pass or it could be a, a cross dropped and they score from it and then you've got the the mega yeah. ones which everyone knows about where it goes through your legs it goes through your hands you go to play a back pass and it goes bobbling over your foot and those are the ones so I think yeah. those those sort of mistakes are bad enough and I think as goalkeeping coaches and as goalkeepers, we have to deal with that or we have to pick up the pieces. And I think it's best. I mean, Gordon Strachan uh, once said to me, listen, you just deal with the goalkeepers and I'll deal with the players. And as soon as a goalkeeper made, made a mistake, he wouldn't say an absolute word. He'd just look at me on a Monday morning and go, you need to deal with that. And I go, yeah, fine. And that was that. And he just let me crack on with it. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that, those are my bugbears, really. I, I just, I just think the, ga- the games um, for a goalkeeper now is, is tougher than when I played, uh, and when, yeah, uh, probably when I first started coaching, it's got more intense. It's it's highlighted so many times now, and in terms of goalkeepers making mistakes, slow motion, oh, that's, that's horrible, Ben, isn't it? God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just on that, then. With, you know, you talk about your bugbears there, and one of the things that kind of comes in. One of, like, I used to be a golfing coach. I worked in academies before as well. And one of the things I used to try and get to, and so in fact, I actually, actually encouraged outfield players to maybe take the role of yeah. the goalkeeper in a session. And I felt like that helped them really see the perspective from the goalkeeper, and it actually had a positive impact in that when goalkeepers did tend to make mistakes, they weren't as judgmental as as critical about it. Um, because they they now obviously been in those shoes themselves. Now, it, you know that kind of just really sprung to mind as you were talking about some of the goalkeeping uh, the coaches and managers you work with. I've never played in goal. I've never had experience of being yeah. in goal in any capacity. Uh, 
is that something that you'd encourage? Like, you know, put, put more players in goal? Um, a, a grassroots level, I would. So, yeah. Pro- yeah I mean, I've done it at an academy level because I've mentioned the goalkeeper. Um, I think is I think it's interesting for for players. I mean, I think players have um, they show a lot more empathy now in terms of the goalkeeper. Um, uh, you you look when a goalkeeper makes a mistake. Um, it's interesting. Uh, is a theory. I had a system where when I played and it was at non-league level. Um, if I let a goal in, it was a bad one. Someone would go and get the ball out of net. So I didn't have to do it. And that 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 pl- person will rename the not anonymous. But if if I made a mistake, I had to deal with that. But he would go and get the ball. He just said because I, I don't want you to to deal with that as well, picking it out the back mm. of the net. And it was an interesting theory. It was, it was more like psychological for me, but he introduced mm. it to me. So yeah, pl- I think players have got more sympathetic with with goalkeepers that do make mistakes because they know that you you actually don't go out there to make them. But I think that's yeah. I think that's a great idea. I mean, would I use it? Yeah, I probably would at grassroots level. I mean, um I think I think it would I think it would give them the feeling that goalkeepers feel when they when 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 even when they let a goal in. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, there's not a goalkeeper on the planet that doesn't let goals in and then there never will be. Um, it's just how you how you deal with that that moment in time. Um, Definitely. Um, you've already alluded um, to these uh, that great managers that you've uh, worked with. Uh, who would you say has had uh, like Have you had any like sort of major influences in in the form of a mentor? And what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from them? Um, I've had loads of mentors, Ben. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was, I've, I've been lucky yeah. in my career, in my age. So, in my coaching when I was younger, it was it was Alan Hodgkinson. I remember. <laughs> I'm going to bring this up now, Yasser. So, my first ever Sorry. game was playing. We played Arsenal um, youth team. I was playing for Birmingham youth team. Um, Alan Hodgkinson was the goalkeeping coach. He was always moaning at me that I wasn't attacking the flight of the ball in terms of crossing. So yeah. they had a corner. Um, it was my debut for Birmingham. The ball come in, and I waited for the ball to come to me rather than going and attacking it. And Terry Lee, do you remember Trevor Lee? Played for it was his brother. He played Terry Lee. Terry Lee. He played for Mill. His brother was at um, at uh, Arsenal, and he came in and he headed it past me as I was waiting for the ball to come. And every, oh. so yeah, yeah, he nipped in front of me and headed it. So, uh, as we're walking off, Alan Hodgkinson walked past me and he just, he didn't say a word to me, but he just looked at me and went, told you, and carried on walking. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? This guy knows his stuff because he's just, <laughs> he just highlighted something that I've been doing in training. And um, so, I, I listened to every word he said from then on. I hung on to everything. Mm. So, I think that was quite influential in my career. Um, Education-wise, I've had... I've had some real, real top educators in terms of uh, Eric Steele, as you've already mentioned, Ben. Uh, um, yeah. A really good coach. I mean, I did my A licenses with him. Martin Thomas, who's in charge of the education, uh, who you will know, yes. So, um, and then Mervyn yeah. Day. Mervyn Day was um, 
in charge of goalkeeping schools up and down the country. He had Sondico goalkeeping school, and that's goalkeeping school. He actually told me to, to stop playing um, back in the sort of 90s um, because I was doing some part-time coaching for him as well on these goalkeeping schools. And he just said to me, listen, you need to stop playing and just concentrate on your coaching. He said, because you've got a good good chance. So that those yeah. those were quite poignant words to me because in 97 I ended up giving up because I'd got the job at Southampton and carried on with the coaching and I still speak to Mervyn yeah. so um, yeah that, those people were into influential also goalkeepers um, because they teach you things yeah. I mean I've worked with some top goalkeepers David James Asmir Begovic Anthony Niamey so they've all worked, they've taught with me uh, sorry they've taught me certain things throughout my mm. career Um one of the biggest things that David James taught me was um, I we were we were play, we had a game and he'd made it he'd done something and I said to him why why did you do that Jamo and he just looked at me and he said I won't say what he actually said but I, I'll, I'll try and rephrase <laughs> it um, so I said why did you do that Jamo and he said Colsey if I knew why I wouldn't done, wouldn't have done it and I looked at him and I went. <laughs> Do you know what, Jamo? You're absolutely right. I don't know why I asked the question and walked away. So, those are the times that you, you you learn not to say certain things to goalkeepers. So, going going back to the criticism uh, yeah. thing of, of managers and... It's like they know. Yeah, they, of course they know. Yeah. Of course, everyone yeah. knows that he, he's made a mistake or, and he knows more than anything else. So, um, and then there's the likes of Andy Niamey who, who, who taught me really... Um, he had a he had a life outside of football. Um, I, I remember him making a certain so we played Arsenal at home. He made an unbelievable treble save, and I I was uh, he came off the floor and I said, Anthony, what a great save you've made!" Blah 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 blah. He said, he just looked at me and went to me, David. It's only a save. He said, "There are people, there are people in uh, doctors that are saving people's lives," and I mm. and I thought, "Wow, what what, what a big moment in my life because." It's true. It's a game of football, and um, it's meant to be enjoyed. But he just, he, he just, he just stopped me really in my tracks. So I think I've learned, I've learned an awful lot yeah. from goalkeepers as well as, as as coaches and managers, really. That's don't yeah, it, don't yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because it was like, listen, I, I've made the save, but now it's time to move on. We got a game on Tuesday, so you know, mm. it was it was that type of philosophy from him. Like thinking in the mouth. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done that. That's history. I've moved on. Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, just on that. Then I mean, that 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 mindset. That's 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 quite. It's quite a good yeah. mindset to have. In quite, a, quite a unique mindset in the sense that. Do you feel that's a mindset that makes a difference between whether it's goalkeepers or even just players in general going to make it? It's like okay, we've done. We've yeah. done that. Let's move on. Yes, yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's so important to um, be in the moment and then uh, it's past tense. So it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's out of the moment. Um, and I think yeah. the Amy and people like David James and Asmir Begovic were, were really, really good at that. They, 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 they played the game, they moved on and they looked for the next game all the time. And I think that's what sets yeah. top goalkeepers apart, really. I think they... They have that um, knack to move on really, really quickly. So if they make a mistake, I, I, I mean, I'm talking about David James at the moment, but he was certainly really, really quick to move on. And that was acknowledged in training by his, his fellow pros. 
if he made a mistake, he would go and do his visualization behind the goal in training, or he would do it. Um, he'd just walk away and he'd come back in and go, Right, I, want, I need to go. Hopefully, he didn't do that. In the no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he used to do his visualization before the war, before the games as well. I mean, there's many a times I've seen him doing um, things in the change room, but also. Um, he would take it out onto the field and do certain visualizations of, yeah. uh, of his what's required really in the game. So it's like building that mental picture to put into the picture. Uh, so who's the who's God, the best? I, I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, well, I've already before? said what sets uh, good goalkeepers apart. They they're just they're blessed with some out. Yeah. Yeah, they just. But you know, if if you said to me what was the main ingredient, I'd say they all want to be number one. That I think that's what sets. Mm. They just they're desperate to be number one, and I think that is a good mentality. They have good leadership skills, but um, they all want to be number one. So, geez, mm. you uh, listen. Uh, for, for, <laughs> yeah, you've got me. Um, I've worked with some some real good goalkeepers. Don't yeah, we don't want to burn some bridges here. <laughs> they probably will listen because I know that there are, most of the goalkeeping uh, goalkeepers I've worked with have gone on to be coaches. So, like the Amy is okay. is national uh, goalkeeping coach. Neil Moss, who's at Bournemouth now, Alan Blaney, a young goalkeeper I worked with, he's working out in Ireland. I got a lad, who, a young lad who was at uh, Andrew McNeil. He's he's working out in China. Uh, Michael Pope's just gone in as goalkeeping coach so all these goalkeepers have gone on to, to be goalkeeper, uh, goalkeeping coaches um, I've been blessed with work, to work with some outstanding goalkeepers in my in my view um, I remember taking Casey Keller on loan from Tottenham for a time at Southampton he was exceptional um, yeah. I would have to go with I'd, I'd go with three the three that I've mentioned um, probably David James Antti Neoni Asmir Begovic for, for, that was that, you're really pushing in you now. You're absolutely <laughs> killing me. Um, I'd go. Uh, the other two are going to shoot me. Um, I just, I'd have to go anti Niami for it's just, uh, He was just so different. He was mm. just so unorthodox. Um, but he, he, uh, at that that era, that time, he was just yeah. so exceptional. Um, when I mean it, it was just everything his, his his overall game was built around keeping the ball out of the net which is, is still my philosophy keep the ball out of the net because that's what you're judged yeah. on um, and he was so good at it at the time um, so yeah sorry to Asmir and David but uh, <laughs> Jamo will probably shoot me now so <laughs> it just, and just on that I mean it's quite interesting because obviously you know you said he's quite unorthodox and I know certainly for me one of the pivotal moments, or I guess, yeah, in my career was when I was working with a group of goalkeepers, and you know, we've been going through these qualifications. They tell us this is this is the technique and this is how it should be done, and and I think I came to a point where I was working with four different goalkeepers at the time, and they'd all had come from different backgrounds in different countries and whatnot, and that's the moment I realised. Mm. Do you know what? You, you're absolutely spot on, by the way, because all goalkeepers are different. You can't. You can't create um, David James to do something. Yeah, 
yeah, you can't create David James to do the same things that Anthony Niemi does and, and vice versa. And yeah. they're all individuals uh, and they all have different skill sets of how they do things. Um, you can't create robots. I think you've got to look at the person, look at what they do, um, build the fundamentals yeah. around them. If they do them a different way, let them do it that way, but make them proficient at doing it that way, yes, sir? Hmm. Definitely. I think well, the thing I picked up from it was it, it really gave me, I guess, that little push to start maybe really assessing and analysing what those individuals were doing differently to get their success. And what I then started doing is actually, well, I'm trying to use this technique that I would yeah. go with myself on this player here. However, actually, this other player over here has got a technique which actually might work better for him. Um, so it really gave me, I guess, that little bit of a push to say, okay, we've really got to look at what the goalkeeper's doing here, or what, even just the players in general. What what, what are they doing yeah. that's getting them the success? And, you know, myself and Ben were even having a conversation about it briefly yesterday, you know, the, the generic techniques yep. which you can use, and they'll give you some sort of structure around how to maybe perform an action or a movement, but there is so many subtleties within it, and as you touched on there, you know, it could be down to... The, the characteristics of the, of the person from a physical perspective, whether they be a smaller goalkeeper, a bigger goalkeeper, a, a quicker goalkeeper, whatnot. And I think it is very important to assess, you know, these unique differences between the players and, I guess, address what technique might go best with their characteristics yeah. from that perspective. I, listen, I'm in total agreement with you. Uh, the easiest way to remember all what you've just said is if it isn't broke, don't try and fix it. Because I think at, at the end of the day, uh, yes, uh, we're, we're trying to produce goalkeepers that are going to have careers and they're, they're going to go on to play for big big clubs. And I think if they have that core skill, I mean, you've got the fundamentals anyway. If they've got those skills, it's how you're going to develop them. So go back to what I said earlier on. If you've, if you've got those core skills and you get them to do, I don't know, if you get him to, to repetitively catch a ball in a certain way, then introduce something else there, he's going to catch it a different way because it, it gives him a chance yeah. to um, think about what he's doing and how he's going to do it. But they'll always go back. I mean, um, I think with, with, with the unorthodox goalkeepers, and they just make incredible saves. And sometimes you, you just can't buy that. They make big saves at right times. Um, yeah. But listen, I, you're never going to get the complete goalkeeper and you're never going to get the most profound technical goalkeeper. I think you've just got to work with them, at their skill set, and make it as profound as, as possible. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. ask, like, uh, in terms of the dynamic of obviously being a first choice, second choice and third choice, how do you manage that dynamic um, You know, within training and just like day-to-day um, between players, especially when like the first and second choice is quite close? I think when you're working with three senior goalkeepers, I think it's always going to be difficult because your number one's always going to be happy because he's playing. He's, yeah. he, he, he's, he's in the team. The number two is, is, the, is the one that you have to keep on top of to keep pushing so that your number one remains in the team or if your number one goes through a, a, a spell where he's not performing that well, then your number two is ready enough to go in. But I, I've always found that the number three is the most interesting one because he's the one um, that could automatically go past your number two very quickly in terms mm. of... And it's happened to me on a couple of occasions. Uh, it's, it happened to me at Portsmouth with, with Asmir Begovic because he was number three. We had uh, two young goalkeepers behind him um, lad called John Stewart, lad called Liam O'Brien, 
And they were they were quite competent. They were playing reserve team football. They'd been out on loan. John Stewart had come in from a non-league club. We bought him in from Weymouth. And um, I was quite confident that if I needed a, a, someone to sit on the bench, I, I could adjust that, which Liam did. Um, he went on the bench a couple of times at uh, Premier League level. So w- what happens is we loaned Asmir out and that Asmir started to forge a career. And when he came back, he was actually already better than my number two at the time. <laughs> and so when the opportunity came that uh, I think David Jones went in for a, a, an operation, we then, I was asked the question, who are you going to play? Your number two, your number three. And I went with a number three, which was Asmir Begovic. And Good choice. The rest is history, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's nothing detrimental against the, the number two, but I think the, the, the third choice is the one that's going, because he wants to go and play. Sometimes your number two becomes comfortable, even though you're trying to push him, but he sits on the bench and he, he picks up yeah. some nice money and he picks up the bonuses, but he's not really playing. And then a game comes in the reserves and, and you say, we play your number two. And they go, well, you can't play your number two because if he gets injured, we haven't got, because Asmi's out. And so it, it, it makes it makes sense. But I think I think your number uh, one's always going to be happy because he's playing. I think the, the two and the three are the ones that are, are interesting because if your number two hasn't got that correct mentality that he knows that he has to be on his guard, the number three goes past him quite quickly. Uh, so just on that, then you know, essentially what you're saying is you know you, you to keep yourself in line for that number one. Yeah. you need game time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's not that training. training. It, there's nothing like playing games because that's where you learn your trade. You can do all the training in the world, as you well know, and there's no one there watching you. But that, that I mean, going back to what's happening now with lockdown, um, I think there'll be players that find it difficult to get themselves motivated for not in playing in front yeah. of the crowd. Um, but listen, I, 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 people agree to disagree with that. Um, I think... Obviously, they are professional, so. Um, but I think it's difficult uh, for some for for some for some players to do that. And I think when you look at number two not playing week in week out, and then he goes and plays, and then um, is he really ready for it? You can do all the training in the world, but I don't think I think some days it's, it's difficult to replicate game situations and crowd. I think the crowd there give you that that edge, and they they give you that sort of. Concern that if you if you do make a mistake, they'll be down on top of you. <laughs> well, no. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's an interesting scenario that's going on at the moment. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the current goalkeeper situation with the English? Bit, I think we've got some good goalkeepers coming through. Um, so, uh, I mean, international at the top end. Obviously, you've got Jordan, you've got Nick, Nick, and a few others competing for that. Um, but I think uh, the under twenty ones um, at England, like. Your Ramsdales, um, there's mm. a lad, there's a lad at uh, Tottenham who's just gone out on loan called Brandon Austin, who's an excellent goalkeeper. Um, I've seen him play a couple of times. Really, really like him. So you've got you've got him coming through. Um, I I think we're fine. I, I really think we're fine. I think we we just need to keep developing and keep looking. Um, there's certainly kids at 18. There's um, uh, James Trafford who I work with, uh, Louis Molden. Both at Man City, they 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 they're decent goalkeepers. There's a lad at um, Stoke City. Uh, I've had some time with Nathan Broom. He's done really well for me. So, um, 
international, I think, um, at the top level, I think people will always criticise because that's the way that people think. I think um, I think we have we have good enough goalkeepers to to certainly for the next couple of years at least. Uh, um, is that, who's, who's my number, number one? one? Oh, you you're yeah. really having a go at me today. <laughs> <isn't you? laughs> um, my number one. Uh, you know what I really, really like? I'm going to say this, and it's probably probably give a load of people the answer. I actually really, really like Ben Foster. I wish he'd come out with uh, really come out yeah. I think he's had a great season, and he's English. Um, I watched some yeah. good goal. There's a, there's a fantastic lad at, um, I don't know, at Brentford called Ellery Balcom. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you've heard of him? Yeah, wow. Yeah. What, what a goalkeeper. For real. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think that too. Um, I think he's got a great future in the game as as well as I do Brandon Austin at Tottenham. So I think, yeah, um, I, I'd have to go with, I, I, I just like Ben Foster. I, I've, I've been lucky enough to watch him a few times this year and done a couple of my own reports on him and I still think he could do it really at international level. Really do. But he retired, so, um, so uh, I do like Nick Pope. I've, I've I tried to take him on loan at um, at Bristol City when I was there, so um, he's one I like. Decent. Now, just you know, just looking back at your career, it's been quite an exciting career. So you can almost certainly take a scenic route, picked up a bit of the <laughs> <from away>. um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's only a couple of words. It wasn't. I, I, was, <laughs> I was just trying to impress you, really. <laughs> John Don. <laughs> Yeah, definitely done that, yeah. Um, I mean, if you could turn back at the hands of time, you talk to yourself when you, you know you first started out. You know, you, you just coaching while you still playing, and obviously then gone into coaching full time. What would what would your advice be to yourself? What would you you know what would be that one message you tell yourself uh, at the start of your coaching journey? I would have been a better goalkeeper if if I'd have listened um, to what I know now. Um, I, I know it means you become a better you become a better goalkeeper um, through coaching, I think, and I think vice versa. Yeah. I think, I think really, my my message to me would have been that I should have worked harder on certain techniques um, in terms of for, for my playing career. I would have I would have worked a lot longer on on distribution. Um, yeah. I wasn't I, for me. I wasn't proficient at it. Uh, I was inconsistent and. Um, I cost my team a few goals. As, as I'm not frightened to admit that. I'm probably a better distributor now because of the coaching and because because of yeah. the way that I've had to continually keep coaching. Um, I think I'm, I'm I'm a miles better distributor now. I can certainly could get further than I could when I played. So, but the balls have got lighter, obviously, uh, and grounds are better, and the weather, the climate, changes have have happened, and stadiums are better. Let's be honest. Um, they were all open in my, in my day, so yeah. I think that would be I, I yeah. think that would be the the one thing. Um, yeah, and that, that that message is is kind of tying into a bit of about maybe mm. as a player. Moving on, like in terms of the coaching aspect, is there any particular thing that you think that you, you would have you would like that that David Coles going into coaching for the first I time think I've, I think coaching's moved on. I think with with the ever ever changing game for the goalkeeper, I think there's there's lots of bits and pieces that I've probably um, could have done better. Um, 
and probably still can. So I would say probably having having um, a much more sort of refined lookout outlook on 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 goalkeeping would be a, an overall view of it. It would be my my thing. Mm. Brilliant. It's, it's all, you know, you're now England under-18s coach. Had a you know a long history in working in first team football, working with a range of goalkeepers. Um, I won't say their names, but you know, <laughs> what's next? I don't know. Coach? Really, I, I, I honestly don't. I, I love coaching. Uh, I love being out on the grass. Um, I love educating. Um, I want to be around for as long as I possibly can, and then one day I'll, I'll. I'll I'll sit down and reflect on what I've achieved and what I could have done better and what I've not achieved, really. So that's mm. the way that I look at yeah. life. I, I think every day is, is a new day. I think every day is a new test, as we all know at the moment. Um, I think with, with what's going on in the world at the moment, I don't know. I don't quite know how football's going to get back to what it was. Um, I certainly yeah. think that I've been through, I've been through, what, one, two, three, three eras of of, of of football in terms of changes uh, to the game and obviously three years of different football. So it's, it's been some, it's been a journey. It's been a hell of a journey. It's a great, it's been a fantastic journey because I've, I've met some fantastic people. I've learned a lot in my career and I've still got a lot to learn um, because I don't think you ever stop learning. Um, but, but yeah. I just think, I, I really don't know at the moment. I think the England um, job is 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 the icing on the cake, really. Um, but I still think there's there's things out there that I, I want to achieve. Um, so I, I couldn't really answer that. I'll be honest with you. So that's one question I couldn't answer. I, I don't know. I'm just going to still. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm educating myself as much as I can. I'm looking at YouTube. I'm I'm doing projects um, on various things uh, for myself as well as for. For England, so um, I'll just continue that and see if I can just educate myself as much as possible. So, so in short, we might see you back. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I should say, I should say, Walla. Walla means I swear. Yeah, Walla. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, on another note, then, so you had. You know, obviously we've got loads of listeners hopefully listening to this and you know it's been a really interesting conversation no, I appreciate today. you, you, you inviting me I really do and it's been, it's been good because I've had some great questions I mean Ben's caught me out a couple of times and, and you've just caught me out on the last that's one that's my job <laughs> <laughs> so I mean if you had one golden nugget um, you know in 60 seconds to kind of wrap it up for some listeners to kind of take away from the conversation and maybe potentially take four of them and their own coaching journey. What would that be? Mm, good boy. So, for, for, for me, for goalkeepers, I would say listen to every coach you work with, good or bad. Um, use their knowledge to further your game or your career by di- diagnosing various snippets of information to see whether they fit your game. Because remember, you're an individual and you already have that makeup. Um, and don't ever be frightened to to say that this won't work for me, give it a go and give it a try um, because you can always go back to your way. So I think that would be for the goalkeepers. Uh, for coaches, 
I go back to what you said. Yes, I, I think you've got. I think you've got a bit of my mindset. Goalkeepers and and this would be be for me. Goalkeepers are not all robots; they're individuals. And as coaches, you can't make one size fits all. Uh, I think core skills will always and can be developed by the goalkeepers, but they may differ in various styles and ways. Make them work for you because they're all the strength at the end of the day. And that would be it, really. I I, I can't think of anything more than that. But I think um, you you actually said that you know goalkeepers are, are not robots, and they're not. That you know you you brought up physicalities as well, which is you know you can't you can't make a small goalkeeper play like a big goalkeeper. You can't make a big goalkeeper play like a small goalkeeper. They're all different. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Nothing, I know that was, that was a brilliant one. And you just thought you wanted to finish oh, wow. quick this, this could be, this could kill me. This could. <laughs> yeah. well, three, three, three questions. Let's see what. Let's see what the answers are. So, one goalkeeper that you wish you would have worked with. Peter Schmeichel. Yeah. All right. Best goalkeeper in the world right now. To Stegen. Brilliant. And then the last one. Who do you wish? Would have been an England manager. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Harry Redknapp. I think so. <laughs> Brilliant. But listen, thanks again, David. It's been no, a pleasure. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I've enjoyed your company. You've been uh, great. Brilliant. Um, just the last one, David. I'm not sure if you are on social media or not, but if you are, would you like to maybe let listeners yep. know where you can potentially get I'm on Instagram, so um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. No worries at all. Brilliant. And what, what is your oh, social media handle? Um, Cozy64. Yeah. Cozy64. 64. 64 is a number of times. No, 60, <laughs> 64 is my year of birth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you my age. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. No, Thanks thank again, you. Cozy. really appreciate your time. It's been brilliant. And it's um, you've, you've given me food for thought as well. So thank you, Phil. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.